Welcome everyone to the Jesus and Family Ministry Podcast. Our desire is to help build thriving families that produce great ministries. Settle in, grab a pad and pen, and we pray this is a blessing to you. Good evening, good morning, whenever you're listening to this. Um, By my phone clock, it is 12.02 a.m. By my stove, it's 11.57 We'll go with my stove versus my phone today. So, um, but yeah, really excited to uh, sit down. Um, I'm really enjoying getting back to recording. Um, I'm actually recording, as you can tell, I'm talking about my stove. I'm actually recording at home. And um, which is funny because I had my office a lot, you know, set up so I could do recording there. But it seems to be a lot easier to get things put together, stay at home. Um, versus going over to the church and doing all that. So um, that being said, uh, in recording at home, um, if you <laughs> if you hear a little bump, um, you know, we do have five children, so uh, all sorts of things may happen. So, But um, welcome to the podcast. My name is Jonathan Gray, um, and I'm excited that you've joined us. Um, I'm excited about what's going on. I'm excited about how things are changing. I'm excited for uh, the listens and the shares and all those different things. Um, not necessarily for the listens and the shares sake, but just for the fact of what God is doing and how it's getting out to different people. And um, love what I'm seeing that we're actually in eight countries right now, which is huge. Um, you know, we've got listeners, I can say, all over the world, and that is the mercy and grace of God, uh, the blessings of God, and the favor of God. So, really excited for what God is doing um, in this time, and um, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Excited for what's coming up next. So, um, tonight uh, or today or whenever you're listening to this, um, I wanted to. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do was there's a message um, that I've only preached twice, well, three times now. Um, but I felt to share it on the podcast and I want to do my best to convey it. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a lengthy podcast or not just because, um, I don't want to just, you know, spit out some notes and then call it a day, but I really want to share my heart, um, share what I felt God gave me, uh, with this message. And, um, I don't want it to be just a message. Um, but I do want to connect with someone who maybe, um, you're struggling with some things and, Hopefully, prayerfully, um, God will connect the dots. I can't connect the dots, but prayerfully, God will use this to connect some dots for you um, and help you to walk in liberty and freedom. So that being said, um, let's pray. I know normally when I have a guest on, we pray. Sometimes when I'm on by myself, I don't. But um, I do normally pray beforehand, but I do want to pray um, now and then you know, just kind of hop into this. So, Father, I pray, Lord, for those who will be listening to this, um, you know, whatever they may be, that you would take these words, God, that you would take what you've given me, and God, that you would use it for your glory, God, that you would connect dots, God, that you would allow someone to have understanding, give them understanding. I pray, oh God, that your spirit will illuminate your word, and God, that your word will become alive, and that the spirit, God, would bring life, as your word tells us that it will do. God, I thank you and I praise you for what you're doing, what you're going to do. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So with that being said, um, I want to talk about, um, there's a there's two chapters we're going to look at. One is um, chapter 15 of the book of Acts. The second one is going to be chapter 16 of the book of Acts. And we'll go to a couple other places 
um, as well. But I want to I want to really focus on this main point and story. And um, I know sometimes we can we can think that um, it's it's fun sometimes, and I say fun. That's probably not the right word, but sometimes in order to get a message across, um, preaching, um, we hold our point sometimes as preachers until the end. We wait till, um, you know, close to the end to give the punchline and the, you know, and, um, it's good as far as keeping people, you know, focused and, um, helping people to maintain some type of interest uh, sometimes in the message. But, um, what I want to do is I want to start off with where we're going and then build the case as in why um, some things are the way they are. So what I want to do is um, we're going to look at Acts chapter 16. And um, I'm going to read, yeah, I'm going to read uh, starting verse 1. We're going to go through verse 5. Uh, it says this, Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees, uh, decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the church was strengthened. Or sorry, the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So this is where we're going, right? We're going to go to Acts chapter sixteen. That's where we're going to wind up when we get done with what we're doing. But what I want to do first is kind of give you some background on why I felt to share this. Um, and some background on me. So for those who don't know, I grew up in church. Um, I grew up um, in a Christian home, which may sound cliche for most Americans or a lot of Americans in my, my growing up era that, you know, the parents went to church at some point in time, whether it was, you know, faithfully every week or once a month or whatever. Um, I know it's not as common anymore. Um, and that's kind of, I think why I feel to, to kind of work through this with, uh, with you all, but um, growing up in church, one of the things that my parents taught us was that um, you know the Word of God tells us to obey them that have the rule over you, for they watch for your soul. Talking about spiritual leadership, and that there were times where my pastor, growing up, would um, say something or require something, and um, there were moments where, uh, if you're you know being completely honest, there was nowhere in Scripture that validated or um, gave an argument for what was being asked. And so um, for an example, growing up, my pastor um, did not want his men wearing shorts, um, whether they were on the platform or not. If you were a part of the congregation, um, mostly a part of, you know, on the platform, but you know, at, at events at, you know, outings, things like that, he didn't want the men in shorts. And um, I used to argue with my mom, and I'm not going to go into the details of the argument, but I used to debate and talk to my mom about this and say, Mom, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that tells me I can't wear shorts. There's... And uh, I remember my mom and, and I would have conversations about that and other things for literally 30, 45 minutes just talking through it. Um, 
my mom was gracious enough to listen to my concerns, listen to where I was at, listen to what I was thinking. And there were times that she would say, Jonathan, I, I can't tell you that there's scripture and verse. I can just tell you that as the pastor, um, you know, he's not asking you to do anything that goes against the word of God. This is something that he is asking for his men and he is our pastor. And so therefore, um, scripture does tell us to obey them, to have the rule over you. And so, uh, and let me put a caveat in it. This is not saying, you know, if someone's trying to take advantage of you, um, that you allow them to take advantage of you. That's not what I'm saying. If someone's um, not preaching the truth, if someone's, you know, trying to, um, you know, in, in any way take advantage of you, that's not what I'm saying. But in this particular case, it was a situation where it was not something that was, um, you know, scripturally, there was no scripture for it. And he had a conviction that he felt from God for his men's things that he wanted to do that, you know, would allow, allow God to bless the church in a certain way to keep a standard so that we were different from those who are around us. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we'll talk about why here in a moment. For some of you, you may be riling up for some of you, you may be having a moment and um, we're going to, we're going to walk through this. So don't, don't hit stop. Don't turn this off yet. Walk with me through this. Okay. So now that I am where I am, um, there's some things that I understand and I believe this particular story in Acts helps to expand some things. Um, when we look at what the backstory is of Acts chapter 16, we have to look at Acts chapter 15. And um, we're not going to read through it, but in Acts chapter 15, what we see is um, verses 1 through 5, the church finds itself in this early stage dealing with what was an important doctrinal issue, which was whether or not one had to follow the law of Moses in order to be saved, especially the act of circumcision. So what has happened is Paul is preaching. He and Barnabas are preaching and they are confronted by Jews who came down from Judea to say, Hey, all these Gentiles that you're preaching to must be circumcised and they must follow the law of Moses in order to be saved. Paul withstood them and said that was not necessary. And it got to a place where the church in that area said, okay, so this needs to be decided, but we don't feel like it needs to be decided right here. We feel it needs to be decided um, by the elders in Jerusalem. And so Paul and these men went to the elders in Jerusalem, the disciples and the apostles in Jerusalem, and they began to discuss this. And as they began to discuss, discuss it, the Bible says that there was, um, some con some contention, there was some argument that was there. It wasn't a, a flat, you know, conversation that happened, but it was a conversation that um, was is intense because they're trying to work through this as the as the excuse me as the early church, whether or not someone needs to follow the ceremonial law of Moses in order to be saved, or if they need to be circumcised in order to be saved. And what, it, what ends up happening, uh, verses 6 through 21, is this, that um, Peter and James, first Peter, Peter stands up and he says, um, I'm abbreviating and you know, consolidating, but what he says is this, that when he went and preached at Cornelius' house, that the Holy Ghost fell and God gave them the stamp of approval that their hearts were correct by giving them the Holy Ghost the same way that he had given it to the um, initial 120 in the upper room and that that 
is how they knew they were not circumcised. They were not following the ceremonial law of Moses, but that is how they knew that God had given them the approval was they had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Just like um, the disciples had in the upper room in Acts 2. James stands up and confirms what Peter has spoken and then begins to say, hey, but we do believe that there are some things that they do need to do. Um, as believers, there's some things that they need to abstain away from, and there's some things they need to do. And so, in verses 22 through 35, the apostles and the elders sent Paul and Barnabas out to share the news that only the only things that were required of believers were to abstain from sexual sins, eating meat with blood, eating things that were strangled, and anything offered to idols. So this is where um, you know the this thing comes into play, right? The church is now being encouraged because Paul, Barnabas, Silas, um, John, Mark are going out um, and they are preaching that or sharing the epistle that has been written by the elders and the apostles that the church does not need to follow the ceremonial law of Moses in order for it to be saved. But what it does need to do is it does need to abstain from these four things. Those things would be safe to do, right? Obviously, they're not saying that the the church can go about and kill and steal and commit adultery and right. That's not ceremonial law. That's just right. That's just the law. So um, there's a difference and we won't get into all that tonight, but there's a difference between the ceremonial law, which had to do with the cleansing outwardly, um, which Paul talks about as being circumcised, not of the flesh, but of the spirit and the heart. There's a difference between the ceremonial law and the moral law, which was the law that, we still follow to this day, which has to do with um, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not still bear false witness, have no other gods before me, worshiping idols, that kind of thing. That's the moral law. Those things are the moral law and the divine law. Those things don't change. But the ceremonial law was what God came in the flesh to um, fulfill through Jesus Christ. And so the church understanding this and coming to this recognition sends out these men and says, go preach this, go teach this to the church. Let them know they do not have to do these as, um, as non-Jews. They do not have to do this as Gentiles. And so what happens is um, Paul and Silas end up going together. Barnabas and John Mark end up going together and they, they end up preaching and teaching and sharing to the church. And the Bible says that the churches were encouraged and strengthened and that they actually begin to increase. And so what happens is now we come to Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 5, which we read already. Paul meets Timothy, a young man, <clears throat> excuse me, whom, uh, according to history, what I could find was about 16 or 18 years old. So he wasn't an old guy. He wasn't in his 30s. He wasn't in his 40s. He was about 16 or 18 and at this age, the scripture says uh, of him that he was well spoken of by the saints. He was a disciple who was well spoken of by all the saints that were around him. He had a good report. And so Paul, um, whether moved on by the spirit or seeing something in Timothy, um, invites Timothy on this second missionary journey that he is taking. And, and he's encouraging the churches with this letter. Now. Let's 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 kind of capsulate where we're at. First part of chapter fifteen, Paul defends that circumcision 
and living by the law is not required for salvation. Okay? Peter, James, the rest of the apostles, and the elders in Jerusalem confirm this statement. They do not say, no, you have to follow the law. They confirm the statement to the point that they write a letter and Acts is called an epistle. They write an epistle to the church to tell them, you do not need to be circumcised in order to be saved. Why is that important? Because when we look at verse 3 of chapter 16, it says Paul wanted him to, wanted to have him, talk about Timothy, go on with him. And he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. One of the issues that my generation had, and it is prevalent in this generation, is not understanding why submission to the man of God in our life is so important. I remember sitting in cars. I remember sitting in the church parking lot. I remember hearing conversations about how no man can tell me what to do. I'm my own person. And sadly, a lot of those people that I remember having that conversation are not living for God today. This is where the rubber meets the road in the life of a believer. It's when the man of God or God begins to ask of us to do something or to give something up that there is no scriptural reference for. In this case, there's actually a scriptural reference against the act, not um, the submission, but of circumcision. Right? Because we have a letter that Paul has just read probably to the churches of Derby and Lystra. And in that letter, Paul has discussed and told them this thing, this circumcision is not needed in order for you to be saved. In order for you to walk with God, this is not necessary. And yet, here he is, and he takes Timothy and he circumcises him. He circumcises him not because of salvation, but he circumcises him because the people knew who his dad was. They knew his background. They knew who his father was and that he was a, a Gentile, not a Jew. And in order to allow Timothy to have the influence that God wanted him to have, there were some things in his life that he had to get rid of, namely being circumcised as a 16 or 18 year old. No, I mean, they may have had some type of anesthesia, but nothing like we have today. Here's this 16 to 18 year old young man who goes to be circumcised, not by a priest, not by some professional circumciser, but by Paul. Paul's the one that cuts his flesh. 
I had a discussion with someone not too long ago. I say not too long ago. It was last year after we had camp. I was talking to um, someone and I really felt it and I, I sent him a text and he concurred. But, you know, we want revival. We want to see God move. We want to see people change. We want to see lives change. We want to see all these things happen. But what I felt in that moment and I still feel it, and this is where this message was born out of. We have got to learn in this generation how to not question everything our pastor says or an elder says. Now, what I am not saying is I am not saying that if someone's telling you to do something that's against the word of God, to go lie, to go cheat, to go sell drugs, to, right? to go kill somebody, I'm not saying go do that. But what I am saying is this. We have to have a spirit that allows the man of God, the elder in our life, to look at us and say, this needs to be taken away. You need to leave this thing alone. You need to walk away from that. That relationship is not good for you. That person is not good for you. That habit you have is not good for you. Not because it's sin, but because it's going to change how your influence affects those around you. We sometimes think it's all about salvation. I think that's where a lot of us get hooked up. That's where I was getting hooked up when I was younger talking about shorts. Was, well, I can still go to heaven. It has nothing to do with going to heaven. And that's, that's where we have to get to. This has nothing to do with getting to heaven. This has everything to do with being what God has called you to be to the fullest extent. And the man of God in our life, the woman of God in our life, the elder that is in our life, that God has put into our life, is there to help navigate us through some things. And Paul understood, Timothy, if you go talking to Jews about Jesus... And they realize and come to find out that you are an uncircumcised heathen. Your influence is gone. You have no influence. Because they already know your daddy is a Gentile. And so they'll figure you're a Gentile. And so what you're saying has no credence to them. But when they see that you are circumcised, that you follow the law of Moses, then they'll understand that you actually know where they're coming from and you understand where they're at. And they can accept you in. And you'll have access to places that Gentiles don't have access to. Gentiles didn't have access to certain parts of the, of the temple. There are certain people who wouldn't talk to Gentiles because you're a Gentile, but they would talk to a Jew. We are so caught up on whether or not it's going to keep us out of heaven, that we are missing opportunities to be the light that we are called to be because we are trying to hold on to stuff that God's telling us to get rid of, that our pastor is preaching against, not because it's sin, but because he's seeing the influence that it's having on us. If Timothy says, you know what, Paul, I, I really want to go with you, but I'm not going to do that because I am not going to be circumcised. Timothy misses out on a lot. Paul calls Timothy his son in the gospel. Timothy was one of the ones who didn't forsake Paul. Timothy was the one that Paul left in Ephesus in order to pastor that church. 
Timothy is the one that he has two letters written to. First and second Timothy are in the Bible written to Timothy by Paul because Timothy was found faithful. And Paul felt the need to encourage him as a pastor, as a young man. History tells us that Timothy died in the streets of Ephesus preaching um, while a parade to the goddess Diana was happening. He was preaching the gospel and he was trampled to death according to history. The life that Timothy has, the influence that Timothy has, the impact that Timothy has as a disciple, as a friend of Paul, becomes pretty much the son of Paul because Paul never gets married and Paul doesn't have children. He calls again, calls him the son, his son in the gospel. This connection and influence in this, in this position that he's put in by having Paul in his life like that never takes place if Timothy cannot let go of his flesh. How does that apply to you and I today? Where do you want to be at with God? How do you want God to use you? Do you want God to use you a little bit or do you want to be someone that God uses and knows he can trust? Because if you want to be used by God, you have got to find a place to get rid of some things in your life that you don't need to have. Some things that are going to hold you back. And I would say most people, when you really stop and think about it, you know the things in your life that need to be cut away. You know the things in your life that need to be um, removed in order for you to get to where God's trying to get you to go. The biggest thing we come against is in our head. Well, it's not about salvation. It has nothing to do with me being saved. No, it doesn't. But it has everything to do with you completing the mission. Timothy was circumcised not because of salvation, but he was circumcised for the mission. He was circumcised so that he could complete the task that God had for him. That's the point. That's the point. The point is not winning the argument. The point is not trying to prove where it's not even found in the Bible. The point is not looking to say, well, I can do whatever I want to do. Paul talks about how in, um, I think it's first Corinthians. Paul talks about how things are lawful for him, but, he will not be brought under the power of anything. When we won't allow ourselves to be circumcised spiritually, right? By God and by our pastor, we are allowing that thing to control us. And in essence, we are controlling us ourselves. And we're saying, God, I don't want what you have for me. I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to be um, someone that you can use. I want to hang on to this thing. And this thing is more important to me than being used by you. And that's so dangerous. Because we are closing the door and saying, God, I, I refuse to give this up because I don't see where I have to. You don't have to. But you don't have to be used either. You don't have to give that thing up. It, it, 
probably won't keep you out of heaven. Timothy was well spoken of and he was a disciple. That thing, being circumcised, he was saved. He was living for God. He was doing his thing. He was well spoken of, had a good report. He could have kept living for God with a good report, uncircumcised. But he wouldn't have done what God had called him to do throughout his life, uncircumcised. We have to take a step back in our generation. And we have to be able to compartmentalize things. We cannot allow ourselves to be triggered, gaslighted. We can't allow ourselves to be hyped up by our friends. Who does he think he is? He's just a man. He puts his pants on the same way he does. Because if those people are in your ear, you aren't going to make it. When your pastor looks at you with concern and love in his eyes and he says, I really do feel like you need to do, you fill in the blank, dot, dot, dot. There's nothing wrong with saying, Pastor, why? There's nothing wrong, I believe, with saying, Pastor, can you help me understand But never should it be that we say, well, pastor, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. Give that up. Why would I give that up? I'm young. I'm this. I just did this. God's using me. Why would I give that up? There are depths to this thing. There's levels to this thing. A really good example, I think, um, it's a very simple example, but a really good example is if you think about any business, think about any business, the person that you meet at the front generally does not have the same level of sacrifice and devotion as the person who's running the business, right? So I have friends who own their own businesses and the person who is doing the work in the shop or doing the work at the job site or wherever is generally a little um, detached and removed from the actual sacrifice that that individual who owns the business has to make in order for that business to sometimes make it. Another example might be, you know, you think of a McDonald's or a Wendy's or a fast food restaurant in general the person who's taking your order has a lot less responsibilities than the manager who's in the back and nine times out of ten if someone calls out and no one can come in that manager is the person who's going to stay right well in my generation the manager manager would have been the one who stays I don't know how it is these days but the thought process is this, the higher that you go up in the company, yeah, there's some good perks, right? But there's generally more stuff you have to abide by. There's confidentiality agreements you have to sign. There's, um, there's stricter standards on what you can and can't do because now you're representing the company in a different way. 
right? On the front lines, you wear your uniform, you greet the patient, the customer or whatever. And But as you get up and up, there's certain things that now your words carry weight. When you say something, it's not just like the front end person saying something. Now, when you say something and you're the manager, it can be construed a couple different ways. And so you have to be careful. You have to be more guarded with what you say. You can't just show up however you want to show up. You have to show up in uniform every day, looking good, looking nice. Why? Because the people are watching what you do and they'll, they'll follow your lead. You, you have to go to meetings. You have to do different things. There's just more to it the higher you go. And yet we want to live for God and go higher, quote unquote, higher in God. And it costs us less. And that's not how it works. The deeper you go in God, the more you have to leave of yourself behind. I heard a preacher say this once. He said, the road is, is, is narrow. He said, and it's so narrow that you have to leave yourself behind in order to walk it. The gate is so narrow. You have to leave yourself behind in order to get through it. Moses was required to do and be a whole lot different than the people he was leading. God required things of his prophets that he didn't require of all the people because of their connection to him. And in our generation, we sometimes feel that we should be able to advance at whatever level we want to advance to still hanging on to everything that we had at the bottom. We've got good reputations. People think of us well. And so when God says, put that down, or when our pastor says, you need to get rid of that, we feel it's an assault upon our, us personally. And we take it personal, not realizing it has absolutely nothing to do with you personally it has everything to do with the fact that the fact that God is calling you to do something great that's what matters that's what matters so as you look at your life today as you're listening to this and as you're contemplating all the different things that are going on in your life and you're looking at all these different things you want to do and you want God to do in you. And maybe you're wondering why you haven't progressed and maybe you're wondering why things haven't gone exactly the way you want them to go or you feel like they're supposed to go or you have been told that God said it was going to go this way and you're like, well, it hasn't gone that way. I would encourage you to take a step back and look and listen and evaluate. Was there a moment in your life or is there things in your life that God is asking you to lay down 
asking you to put aside and you haven't done it yet. The Bible tells us that after Timothy did that and they went out, that the churches were encouraged and strengthened and they increased in number daily. Timothy got to see that. Timothy got to be a part of that. Timothy got to celebrate others' freedom while he was not able to experience the same freedom. Timothy didn't know, excuse me, didn't know what that freedom was like as he proclaimed that freedom to other people. I believe it's the PJs in the Air Force. They have this model that others may live. That's their thing. If you don't know who the PJs are, I would encourage you to go look them up. They are a really interesting group of guys because they are kind of like special forces and medics all at the same time. So they're like, they train with SEALs, they train with Green Beret, they train with like all these top level um, special forces, but then they're also doctors. Like they're amazing because they've got to be able to go into um, very hostile territory and go get a down jet pilot or helicopter pilot or go rescue a team. Um, like that's their job. That's what they do. And so their motto is so others may live. And as Christians, as believers, that should be our motto that others may live. That we aren't so focused on us. We aren't so focused on who we are. We aren't so focused on our likes, our dislikes, what's comfortable, what's not comfortable. That we miss being the light and the salt that we are called to be. Every time Timothy went to the bathroom, every time Timothy washed, every time Timothy did whatever, Timothy was reminded of the sacrifice that he had to pay in order to proclaim a liberty to others. It cost him something to proclaim that liberty. It was not free for him. But God used him. And he was able to build a connection with one of the greatest apostles that ever lived. To build a friendship. Maybe for some of you who are wondering why you can't get the connections you want to get and you feel like, well, this person, man, I'm, they're really close to my pastor and I'd really love to have a relationship with them. Maybe God's waiting on you to circumcise. Again, not physically, spiritually. Maybe God's waiting on you to cut away some things so that when you connect with this person, you have already in your mind determined I'm going to do whatever it takes to live for God and be used by God. And so now this person can pour into you where they may not have been able to before. Again, it's not about whether or not it's a salvation issue. And it can't be that that's too shallow. It can't be about being a salvation issue. 
It's got to be about being a kingdom issue, a being used issue, a being a faithful servant, being a good servant in the kingdom of God. I pray this has blessed you. I pray this has helped you. I pray this has maybe helped somebody navigate some things that you are struggling with, trying to figure out what to do. And um, I believe God is really wanting our generation to be a generation that exemplifies in the midst of everybody doing their own thing, literally doing their own thing, what it looks like to be powerful not because we did it, but because we were submitted to our elders, our pastors, to the word of God, to the spirit of God. We allow God to do what he wanted to do in our lives. So again, I pray this is encouragement. Love you guys. Appreciate what you're doing. Share. Grab snippets. Share it. However you want to do it. If you know somebody who might benefit from this, please send this to them. Um. Again, thankful for what God is doing in eight countries would have not really thought that was going to happen, but God's showing what he wants to do. So look forward to sitting down with you guys next time and uh, definitely hit us up online. Look us up. Um, Jonathan S dot gray dot com. And um, we'll see you guys next time.